If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another expert episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today I have Barbara Ginty, who is a certified financial planner and host of the Future Rich podcast. And today we talk all about the financial implications of going through a breakup or a divorce. In this episode, we talk about how finances are a huge aspect of relationships and how it can cause, it's a very popular cause of having to end relationships. We also talk about the kind of financial implications people are faced with when going through a divorce or a separation. Barbara gives great tips on what to do if you're having to start over financially after going through a breakup. We talk about how most of the time in relationships, one person is handling the finances and the other person may not have the best financial literacy. And so how you can start getting to know the basics of your financial health. So moving forward, you can feel more empowered and more in control. We also cover the topic of financial abuse and financial control within relationships and how that can keep people stuck in toxic relationships a lot longer than they need to be. So this is a very helpful episode. I highly recommend everyone listen to it. And if you are interested in learning more about financial empowerment and financial wellness, definitely go listen to Barbara's podcast, Future Rich. Welcome, Barbara, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So there are a lot of things that when I started Breakup Bestie, I just didn't think would be a thing that I would ever need to talk about or like address. And there's been so many things that I've been proven wrong on or like not proven wrong, but just like my perspective on it has opened up. And one of the big things was finances. Every time I do a and a I get some kind of question as it relates to finances. And I think it really came up during COVID because it was like people talking about I'm still living with my ex. I can't move out yet because of finances. And obviously, like, you know, during times of COVID or a recession, like finances just make everything tough, but especially going mm-hmm. through breakups. So I'm really excited to have you on to kind of share about this topic because. 
there's so much emotional turmoil when going through a breakup. And then we do have to talk about finances. So anyways, I'm just really excited to kind of have you on and and open up this new aspect of, of healing from a breakup. Absolutely. I think what I always say about finance or personal finance is it's something that's preventable in a lot of situations to prevent the financial tragedy aspect mm-hmm. of it because you know a breakup or divorce or being widowed those things you can't prevent that's just part of life and those are emotional and tragic to go through and the last thing you need on top of it is then a financial tragedy as well so you can plan for the financial part we can't plan for life right like yeah. you don't know what will happen but we can absolutely plan to mitigate any sort of financial trauma or to try and reduce that financial trauma yeah and towards the end of the episode i definitely want to talk more about like for future relationships, like Mm -hmm. how can we kind of plan ahead for this? So my first question is like, what are some financial implications of going through? And I will talk about like divorce, but there's also like breakups where people Mm -hmm. have combined finances anyway. So it's similar. So can you talk kind of about like some of the financial implications of that? Sure. So I always really think it's important. Everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people don't talk about the finances. Like that's the last thing they talk about, or if they even discuss it. And I really think it's, a priority because one of the reasons relationships don't work out is because of finances. It's usually a big stressor in relationship and can cause the deterioration of a relationship. And so I think being upfront and honest with your partner about finances and how you handle money and your preferences for money are really important about being on the same page. Just as if you talk about other things like religion and whether or not you want children, you should talk about how are you going to handle finances? So like if you get a bonus or you get a raise, is that going to be towards paying down debt? Or are you going to be putting that towards vacation? I mean, knowing how you handle money individually and how you're going to handle money together is, to me, one of the big factors you should be discussing, like you discuss everything else when determining whether that person's a good fit for you or not. I will say in my experience that you tend to get opposites to attract, right? So usually you'll get somebody who's more of a spender, with more of a saver. And those can be really great combinations as long as you're on the same page and you've discussed that in advance of, okay, we're both comfortable with how we're going to handle our finances going forward. But I would say, I think it's one of the biggest things that's overlooked in relationships. And then trying to figure it out if there's a problem in the relationship is way harder than doing it when everybody's in a good mood over a glass of wine or something, for instance. Or like waiting till there is like a financial hardship. Issue. Yeah. Yep. And then you guys having, because com- I think if you like, you know, for me, my husband and I are similar, like we have a spender and a saver, but we know that's how we operate, you know? Mm-hmm. So if it's like, you don't know, and then all of a sudden you're in like this financial hardship and you're like, what do you mean? You don't want to like put more money Pay into off the savings. credit card. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a huge reason that. And it's like, and it can be like big things like finding out like a partner's like has a gambling issue or like someone has a shopping problem. I think those are big things, but I think far more often it's probably like more of the the everyday things. Yeah, little day things because those add up over time, right? So it might irritate you a little bit and then you add three more of those little irritations and then it can turn into a bigger problem or something that like underlying is bothering you. And I will say from a, a wealth standpoint, one of the biggest attractors to wealth is divorce, right? So going through a divorce and not having had a prenup in place or not that you want to plan for it, but you also don't want to, you don't plan to die, but you get life insurance or you should get life insurance, right? So 
I have no intentions of getting divorced when I get married, but I will 100% have a prenup. And I always recommend a prenup. And if you haven't done one, you can do a postnuptial, which means after you've already been married, you can still put arrangements in place. And even if you're not going to go down that route of legally being married in a partnership, if you're going to be living together and sharing bills and sharing expenses, I think that you should have some sort of agreement in place that you can reference should there be a problem. And then once you do it, if they're uncomfortable conversations, just like it's uncomfortable to determine the value of your life, right? That's not a fun conversation or something to think about. But if you do it and you do it in advance, you're done and you've checked the box. And now it'll make the, your future, If should there be a problem, at least you won't be dealing with that financial turmoil because you've already come up with a determination. But one of the, the big ways people lose wealth is through through divorce. And historically, and this is changing, right, as women are making more on the dollar comparatively to men, because there's always been that wage gap. But historically, what we've seen is that women will support their husband's career, and therefore take, you know, a gap out of the workforce. And you still see it like you still see women who are maybe in their early 40s and getting divorced and then supported their husbands in their you know, late 20s when they got married. Then they have kids, they decide to stay home because it's, they don't want to send, you know, childcare is expensive. So I'll just stay home and do it. And that way we don't have to pay for daycare. And then they take this huge gap out of the workforce. And now you're going back into the workforce, maybe with only five years experience and you've been out for 10 or 15. And now you're going in and you're not going to make what you would have made had you stayed in. And you're going into a different market environment. And there's like so many scenarios where this can go so awry. And so I really believe in protecting yourself financially, whether you're a man or a woman, right? Because I've seen it. It's not as common, I will say, not as common. Yeah. But I have seen it where men have had to work longer because of the divorce and they have to stay in the workforce and it was detrimental to their financial situation and the, the spouse came out better. It just depends. I would say more if I had to like broad stroke it, I would say women typically come out with the short end of the stick. Women are also more likely to say, I just want to settle this divorce. I don't want to fight because mm. I want to preserve the relationship for my children. And they take a financial hit to preserve the relationship for the benefit of co-parenting, where I I very rarely see that from the men. Interesting. It makes complete sense. And yeah. that's why it seems like it makes so much sense to set those boundaries up before there's ever an issue, because then Correct. it's like, okay, we know what's happening here. I'm also curious on because I know one thing that like you talk about is just like knowing your finances and yeah. does it tend to happen where one person in a partnership handles the finances and then the other person kind of just trusts that bills are being paid like and just don't they don't really pay attention that much and I feel like that can cause issues when coming out yeah so that's another problem is not knowing where the finances are I do find that in a relationship Typically, you see one person who's more into it and more invested and likes it. And so that other person doesn't take, you know, the other partner doesn't take as much of an interest. So the other partner is really the responsible party. The way I always treat it is like, you have to have an understanding, like, just like you have an understanding, like, I hate medical stuff. You still have to know your health, right? Like, yeah. you still have to have an understanding of what's happening. Your finances are just as important as your health, Right even if you don't like it, you don't have to be the main person doing all the day to day, but you should still be having at least one meeting a year where you say, this is what we're bringing in. This is what we're spending. You should be able to articulate at least a high level of your financial life, your financial situation. 
because I do think it's very dangerous to have no understanding for a couple of reasons. One, because as women, statistically, we live longer and more women um, end up being the sole owner of their financial situation, whether that's through divorce or being widowed. So if you don't learn it now, you most certainly do not want to learn how to manage your finances at 80. Guaranteed, yeah. it is not a good time to take over your finances. And you see it see it a lot with women who are getting widowed at later ages, having never done it and having now you're relying on a child to come in and help you or a family friend. And it's not the time, that's not the time you want to learn yeah. how to manage your finances. So I think it's really important at whatever age to make sure that you have some ownership over your financial situation, even if you're not the primary one paying the bills and managing all the accounts, like you should be able to articulate. And I would just so that you know where you are, like double check all the numbers. Yeah. You hear horror stories. I listen to a lot of like Dateline and stuff. So yeah, it's your crime. <laughs> so this I is like too. my thing too, but it's just, you know, I think we all go into relationships feeling like we totally know the person. We totally mm -hmm. trust the person. But like as a breakup coach, I've heard so many times that that's not the case. So it's like, it's just good to know that like you're not going down like the Titanic kind of thing, like should know yeah. like, hey, we have money in the account. And your partner should like want you to be involved. Like that yes. would be a huge red flag if your partner's like, no, 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 I'm better at it. I'm better at it. You don't need to worry about it. like to me, that'd be like the biggest red flag you could ever have. Like very good point. There should be a total amount of transparency like there would be with anything else in your relationship that you should be able to sit down and talk about your finances, even if you're not the one running it, but that, that your partner, if they are the one running it, male or female should be able to sit down with you and say, here's what we have in emergency fund. Here's where our mortgage is. In my opinion, you need to know all of those numbers. Like you need to know what your debt is, what you're paying on your debt. You need to know what your assets are, what's going into your assets. You need to know about your emergency funding and you should have a basic idea of what you're spending. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask like, what are the main things that, so savings, mortgage, any other like debt? Cause I mean, if you like think about student like, loan payments, yeah. you know what I've seen? This is terrible. I've seen where the, and I'll just use a yeah. traditional male-female relationship because what I do see is males run the money more than women, which is the whole reason I have a podcast to try and educate women because I do find that women, even though they're technically, studies have shown, are better at managing money than men. Like they have better returns. They do better. They make more sound decisions. They will almost always say, and even in my personal experience based on the, not even the studies, just like in interactions, women will always come in and say, I don't really get this. I'm not really good at math, blah, blah, blah. They'll always talk themselves down and they'll have made better decisions than the man sitting next to them who's like, I'm very good at this. You're yes. like, actually, you're not, but your wife is great. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then studies have shown that women just lack a bit of confidence around finances. A lot of them think it's because it has to do with math. Going with your gut is usually a great way. Like if it doesn't feel comfortable, it's probably not right. But what I've seen happen before, which is horrible, is where the, the husband would be paying down their own student debt and not tackling the females, like not tackling oh the wives. Yeah. Right. So that's a huge problem. And if you had like an annual meeting where you sat down and said, okay, we spent $15,000 this year towards debt reduction. How was it split? Where did it like, go? Yeah. Where did it go? Like, did you do any of my student loans? Right. So stuff like that. So if someone's not going to sit down and go over it with you, that's a, a red flag. But I think you really need to have an overall picture of your financial health. And so that would include all of it. And it's really not that it doesn't take that much time. You could do it once a year and be like, where's our emergency fund? How much is going into it? Where's our debt? Like student loans, mortgage, credit card, blah, blah, blah. And like, where are our assets? Like how much are we saving for the things that are important to us and make sure you're aligned on kind of how that distribution is versus debt versus 
savings, right? Like, does that line up with what your overall goals are? Yeah, I think it's so important. And there's two things that I want to touch on. The first one is in a perfect world, do you think partners should combine finances? So I think that it's situational, which is like not, you know, not a black or white answer, but, and here's the reason why I think so on just my personal experience, when I get married and I'm 39 and I've spent almost 20 years building my net worth, I am not combining that. That's not happening. I was alone when I purchased all the properties. I was alone when I purchased the buildings. I was alone when I worked on wall street, nobody did anything for me. Yeah. I did that all by myself. I will not be combining my finances. Now, if I was 22 and I got married to the first person, I had zero dollars. Yes, I probably would have combined at that point because we would have both been coming in net neutral, right? We would have both been coming in at zero. And so that to me would have been comfortable to combine because we would have been an equal partnership. So I think that it depends on your situation. So to me, what I see most often, doesn't make it right or wrong, is people when they're starting at zero or negative, right? Mm -hmm. Some people come out negative. They tend to combine people that are coming in either second marriages or getting married later in life when they come into a relationship with things already pre-established, whether that's a trust, an inheritance, wealth they've created, whatever that might be. I tend to see it staying a bit separate. And then there's all these other ways besides being that polar opposite of completely combined, completely separate, where you say, okay, we're going to have a joint account to cover joint expenses and we'll be contributing to that. This really bit me in the butt. I had said on a podcast and my fiance listened that you could do it <laughs> percentage wise and that would be fair. Yeah. And that is fair as long as it feels fair to you. I have now decided that does not feel fair to me because my percentage is like 90 and his percentage is 10 and that feels uneven. Yeah. So I think then you also need to see like what feels equitable in your own situation because you know, with all the interviews I've done with all the clients I've had, it's always a little bit unique to the couple and the circumstance. If you don't have those two polar opposites of we started out together, we started perfectly equal because we came in with the same, you know, we both had a, a relative to the same amount of debt, or we both started at zero, or we both started with like 20,000. You see those to be combined more often and you're building as a unit, right? Yeah. And then you see those second marriages or later in life marriages where it stays completely isolate it. Like we don't combine anything. And then you have like that middle territory where you figure out an amount that's comfortable and it's whether it's percentage amounts or if you're like equal incomes, then maybe it's pretty comparable. But I will say it's pretty unique to the couple. And now that we're seeing that women are the breadwinners more often and their salaries can be higher, it's definitely straight away from this, you know, we're just going to combine everything. And I think it's important especially as a female, because we're the ones that usually get the short end of the stick financially in some of these situations, especially if you step out of the workforce to do childcare yeah, or to care for a parent. Women tend to be the caregivers in relationships more often than not, whether that's for an elderly parent or relative or, or a child or children. I do think it's really important to protect your own interest, yeah. whatever your situation is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. 
Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, I think too, like I've even had friends who have stopped working to take care of babies and like they're used to working. And so like the idea of like they felt like all of a sudden they had to like ask their husband, like, can I go get my nails done? And that like that's just like an icky like power dynamic in a relationship. So I feel like that's not the way to do it either. Where like one person needs to be like, I don't know. I just think any kind of like big power dynamics and relationships are just like not good at all. So I feel like, you know, my husband and I, we did not combine finances. And it's so interesting because when we first decided to do that, I was like, is this not a real, I don't know. I got like, is this not a real marriage? You know? And now, now that I'm like, I've talked to so many people in this space, I'm like, it feels good to us. Right. But yeah, I feel like any kind of like power dynamic. And that kind of leads me to this topic of like the financial abuse that happens Mm -hmm. in relationship. Can you talk a little bit about what, what that is? Yeah. And that's the troubling part where you haven't really protected your own interests. And it's usually just like what you hear about, um, I'm not an expert in this, but where you hear about like emotional or physical abuse, it doesn't ever start that way, right? You're never like, sign me up for that. You know, it starts as a great relationship and slowly, slowly, slowly turns. And it's very similar to also what you see with financial abuse. It never starts that way. It kind of incrementally gets in there. There's a lot of mind tricks, right? There's a lot that goes into a psychology standpoint 
But ultimately what ends up happening is you have no control over the finances. And therefore, when you have no control over finances, you can be stuck in a very terrible situation because you financially cannot get yourself out of it. So kind of like what you talked about in COVID. So obviously you're the expert with relationships, but COVID was bad for a lot of relationships. Yeah. But if you didn't have that financial wherewithal to say, I'm going to go get my own apartment, I'm going to take the car. If someone's controlling all of that, like you were saying, that power dynamic might not always be able to get out of a terrible situation because you don't have the financial wherewithal to go rent a hotel room or to go get a new apartment. And so that's why I always think it's really important for women, especially to protect their own financial interests and make sure that they always have control, at least have access on their own. So if there was ever a bad situation, which you hope never happens, but that you protect it yourself so that you're never in a situation where you can't extract yourself because of finances. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories of like, their name's not on the title of the car. So it's like, or the on husband's the like, you know, it's just like, there's just so many things that like, could keep you in a really stuck situation if if your name's not on the title. And it's not gender specific. I would say it probably happens more to women than men. But I have a situation where it happened to a man. It was the female that was the problem. And she blackmailed him over something. He did something and got, I think maybe he got in trouble. And so she was like, I'll pay for your court or I'll pay for the fine or whatever. But you have to put my name on the deed. So she got her name on the deed. It was a family house, was not hers, had never contributed anything and had, you know, offered to pay for X to get on the deed. And if she paid for X and no one needed to know about it, he didn't need to tell his family what happened. And then she kicked him out of the house. She had changed the need, kicked him out of the the family house. The family then had to buy it back. Oh my from, gosh. From her, even though she never put a dollar, it was never really hers. And if the, the male in the relationship had just gone to the family and said, hey, I got in trouble. I have a court date. I need X amount of money, which would have been like a fraction of what the house got. Like, yeah, not even 1%. The family probably would have helped him because then the family, then he got kicked out. He had no home. Yeah. And there's nothing you could do because legally it was her house because he transferred it to her name. So yeah, you see all sorts of situations like that. And that's why it's so important to just have, like I said, like I mentioned your health, like you want to have an understanding of your health, right? Because your body, no one cares more about your health than you do, right? And the same thing about money. Like no one is going to care more about it than you do about yeah. your own personal financial well-being. And so it's super important to have, you don't need to be an expert, but to have a fundamental understanding of what your financial situation is and what you need so that you can prevent something like that. Because you hope it never happens, but you can prevent a lot of that by having a basic understanding of your financial situation and also making sure that you've always protected yourself from any sort of financial abuse or isolation that can happen, you know, when it go if it, if it were to go awry. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like if money feels like it's ever being like held over your head kind of a thing, like it's such a big red flag. Red flag. Yes. And it does. It happens like so, so like, you know, I don't know. I watch American Greed. Yeah. And like you're watching from the outside and you're like, why are you doing, you know, it's like, yeah. why are you doing this? But then you look at like the inner workings of it and you're like, oh, this happens like very slyly. It's like very yes. subtle. And, you know, for people that are going through breakups and like thinking about future relationships, like it's the same thing I tell people when they're like, well, how do I know someone wants to commit to me? It's like, okay, bring that up early in the relationship. 
bring up money like in mm-hmm. earlier in the relationship. Yeah. Like when you're, you know, talking to someone on hinge, you don't want to say like, what's your yeah, income? Your first, yeah. first message. Yeah. Can you answer these five questions? First? Yeah. What's we'll your see. income? But it yeah. is like one of those. And I, it's so funny, like money and sex are like still so like very awkward topics. Yeah. I would say sex is more common to be talked about than money. Than money. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel true. like most people feel more comfortable talking to a future possible partner about sex and that versus they'd rather defer the money conversation and they're like as equally to me money should be a very important part of the conversation to make sure that you really are a good match yeah so one thing that I wanted and this kind of stems from like my personal experience which I'm going to dive into on your podcast but for those that don't know I was in an abusive relationship for three years and part of it was him taking money from me and like using so he stole a ton of money. Well, I say, I'm going to still say stole. I gave yeah. it to him willingly because I was like, not of my right mind and very manipulated. But one thing, and I think I'm sure I'm not the only one who went through this, but part of what he did was I bought a car for him. I was the only person on the title and we broke up and he said, I will keep making payments on this car. And he did the same thing for his apartment. I didn't realize how bad of a financial state he was in, but like he couldn't get an apartment, a car, nothing. So I like did these things for him. He ended up not paying. I was very young and I did not have a great understanding of credit scores. So for me, there was like a couple missed payments. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at like a 420 credit score score. basically and I had no idea that that was going to impact me for like almost seven seven years like felt like almost 10 years so I would love if you could talk about like sure how can someone get that back up how can they access it if someone doesn't know about their credit score and and it is like in a marriage is aren't they tied together I could be wrong on that but it depends on how it's structured right so that's like if you have a joint credit card and the part like if it's just your credit card under your name then you sh- you're obligated to make those payments. Okay. Now, if it's a, a joint credit card, and this is not a financial abuse, but I gave my sister a credit card because she needed a credit card and couldn't get one, or it was like an emergency credit card. Apparently, J. Crew is an emergency. She okay. bought an outfit. She never paid for it. I found it on my credit report, this yeah. like outstanding balance that had never been paid. And she's like, oh, I, I don't think they sent me a bill. I was like, they 100%. Yeah, sent you a bill. Anyway, but because I put her on and gave her a credit card that affected my credit score. Okay, because so it depends on how you so if you open a credit card and give one to your husband, and he has his own card or your wife, and she has her own card, but it's under your, you know, your social and your credit score, then they if they don't make payments kind of like it was in your name, it will affect your credit score. So That being said, that is why that's like another way you wouldn't think it would matter, but it does matter because you have a bunch of missed payments or you have all this extra debt, really, because the way the credit score, one of the things you look at for credit score is obviously ability to make on-time payments. So that's a really easy one, right? And everyone should try and do minimums, but you, you didn't know. So he's missing payments. So that's stinging it. The other thing is you probably wouldn't have had all that outstanding debt if you hadn't paid for him. And so that's another factor with your credit score is the outstanding amount. So how much like, so for instance, if you have a $10,000 credit limit, even though you're probably not intending to use the full 10,000, when they're reviewing your credit score, they're saying, okay, she has five credit cards with $10,000 maximum limits. That's 50,000 outstanding, even if you haven't utilized it. 
right? So now that was another factor that was impacting your credit was that you had this debt, even though you're not utilizing it, it's showing as part of your factors. Because that's one of the factors is how much available credit do you have, right? Because at any point, you could take off max everything out and disappear. And that's that's why they look at it. Also, you were younger. And so one of the other factors is time. And so it's not great when you're younger to have this happen because you already don't have a long history. And so you're starting out with a negative history. So that's why all of this is so important to understand because it affects the rest of your life, yeah. right? Like, so to improve your credit, if you really did a number on your credit, it can take you know up to seven years. You can research this all on your own. So you are eligible to always get a credit report and the credit report, there's three main agencies and they will send you a report. They will tell you what your outstanding credit is, what your limits are, if there's any, any issues on your credit reports and then you can get them cleaned up and you can work to improve it. But as you said, it takes, if there's issues, it can take time, especially when you're younger, because you already are not going to have as high of a credit score as an older person potentially, because they have that length of history and you're already starting without that time. That's why all of these basic fundamental things about personal finance, like understanding titling, understanding credit scores, understanding, you know, your income and expenses, it's just so important for your financial well-being over your life. And also like then obviously to protect yourself from like any sort of personal financial tragedy, you can prevent all of that just by having a basic education and kind of game plan going forward. I will also say like a big part of what I try to instill on my podcast and in my content is like, separations and divorces and breakup, they take your power away from you. And I just think it's so like, people say like, how do I feel empowered? How do I gain back my self-esteem? This Mm -hmm. is a great way to do that. Like get control of your finances, learn something new that you don't know. That's Mm -hmm. a great way to build self-esteem is to like, I don't know about my finances, so I'm going to learn. And I will promise you like instantly your self-esteem and you're going to feel more confident. That's going to go up. And I just think it's like so empowering to be able to know that stuff. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that you need to do to heal from from a breakup. One question I want to ask before I forget, but I know sometimes people listen to this this podcast before they've gone through Mm -hmm. a breakup. So let's say someone is like they know they're probably going to be asking for a divorce like pretty soon. Like they've they're going to and the relationship. Is there anything they can do to kind of get ahead on some of this stuff? Yes. You want to start looking through your finances now and knowing what the situation is going to be, because what will happen, not always, is they'll go through the divorce and maybe the partner knows the divorce is coming. And not that this is everyone's situation, but they will start. We've seen awful things where they've like hidden money. Now you have to hire a forensic accountant to find where the money is gone. You know, so I would say if you're thinking of you're planning for a divorce, if it were me, I would start educating yourself absolutely now. And what are you going to need to support yourself? What are those costs going to be? What's your income going to be? What are your financial situations currently in the situation you're in? If it were me, I would be putting away my own little safety net, my separate emergency fund so that I was ready to exit the relationship. Whether that means taking on, maybe you're not working now, taking on a part-time job to kind of fund that, whatever steps you might need to take besides the education, but like really getting a full understanding of where your current situation is going to be and where you think you're going to need to be. And what does that entail? So like, for instance, I'll give you another example I saw recently, got married right out of college, was not the primary breadwinner, was the stay-at-home parent, now is getting divorced. Do you know what an apartment cost in your area, right? Like, Yeah, probably not. Probably not. You've never had one. 
So what is it going to cost for you to live on your own? You're going to maybe need a big, you have three kids. You're probably going to need a bigger apartment than a one bedroom, right? What do those costs look like? You have to furnish that if you're the one leaving the home or so starting to kind of get an understanding of what this new life is going to look like, because it's a new life and a new financial life, right? It's a yeah. totally different financial situation. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. And then the kind of like last question I wanted to ask is for someone who was accustomed to a certain lifestyle, didn't really ever have to think about like what they bought. What are some like basic, and I know I'm sure you cover so much of this on your podcast, but like some basic budgeting kind of tips for someone who feels like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it on my own or make it with half my income. Yeah. And I think that's the reason a lot of people stay in relationships, right? Is because of the lifestyle they're accustomed to. And it's definitely a change in lifestyle. I really am a big believer that if you believe it, you can do it. And so you might start out in a lower income threshold or a different lifestyle. That doesn't mean you can't change that with hard work and a plan. And so I would never want to recommend staying in a relationship just for the lifestyle. I will say, though, from experience and watching it, personally doing it and then watching it from other people, when you go from having money to not having money, it's a bit more traumatic than if you've never had it at all. You get It's hard to drop down the ladder. It's much easier to move your way up. But once you're used to having money, it can be a little bit traumatic to all of a sudden not be able to go out to dinner. Not And that might sound like a lot. It's definitely coming from a place of privilege. But for anybody who's used to having access to things and all of a sudden the access is taken away, it can be quite jarring to like can't afford the car, maybe can't afford the apartment, you can't afford to get your nail done or your hair done, or this lifestyle that you were accustomed to might completely be pulled out from underneath you. That being said, the great thing about personal finance is if you educate yourself on it, you can decide what you want your income to be. It's not going to happen overnight, but I'm a true believer that if you're willing to put the work and time into it, you can build yourself back up to where you need to be. It's not an overnight situation, but I really big believer that in our country, you can start a business, you can get a side hustle. There's a lot of opportunity if you're looking for it and willing to put the time and effort, it's not going to be an overnight most times it's not overnight, but you could definitely build your lifestyle back up. And I think you're better off building your lifestyle back up and being in the situation you want to be than staying in a situation just to preserve a certain lifestyle. Because you can do that on your own. And I will tell you, doing it on your own is a great empowering feeling to know that like, I paid for the house, I paid for the car, I paid for the vacation, and I do it all on my own. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like another thing that I talk about with breakups is like, it is such an opportunity to like start anew. Yeah, start fresh. And that's why you hear about like so many people starting businesses out of divorce because it's like their hands forced, like they have to do something, you know, not to say that's going to be everyone's experience, but just like I believe like a breakup's never like an end to your relationships, like a breakup's never like I think the end to your finances either. And, you know, if someone's, you know, in a relationship telling you like you're never going to make it without me or like, you know, we all hear that kind of stuff from people going through breakups. That's just not true. No, like I can, one very famous example is Barbara Corcoran, right? Her partner left her for her secretary and told her she would never succeed. Well, she did. And a lot of women do because, you know, like that would drive me nuts if someone, I would just do prove them just to prove them wrong. Totally. Yeah. And so, yes, I definitely think it's really hard if you're used to certain lifestyle to have that change dramatically. It's not fun. I did it when I bought a business. I was working on Wall Street, (laughs) living a very nice lifestyle and bought a business and 
couldn't make rent. And so, you know, was renting out my apartment, my bedroom, my one bedroom and sleeping on the couch. Like that's not fun. You know, (laughs) it's nice to have your own bedroom. It's nice to be able to go out with your friends you know, to a restaurant, which I couldn't do for a couple of years. So that's a very different change. And that's not easy. Anyone tells you it is, is lying. It's not easy. But as you said, you have an opportunity to completely redesign your life. And that's very empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. It's like so many things that as they relate to breakups, like have so much of the same theme of like, this is a great opportunity to get to know your finances, just like it's a great opportunity to get to know yourself. This is a great opportunity to make change because we're motivated by pain. We're very motivated by pain. So I think, so I think that's another great opportunity as well. And I will definitely recommend your podcast too, to continue this conversation on Mm -hmm. building wealth, budgeting, all of the things. So can you talk about where people can find you? Sure. Absolutely. So my podcast is future rich. So you can find it on Spotify or Apple and our Instagram is the future rich podcast for that's where most up-to-date information is. And I interview women weekly about their finances so you get to listen in to see how they're splitting it, how, you know, if they're in a partnership, how do they split their finances? How do they allocate towards savings and how they pay off debt? And we run the gamut. So we've had, I think the worst situation was a, a couple, they owed over a million dollars in debt. It was like 1.2. They actually, the wife- gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> yeah, the wife actually wasn't aware. She sent me the spreadsheet the night before the podcast. It was like, I actually didn't realize how much we owed until I had to do this because I only let, one person in the partnership come on. So it has to be, if it's the same sex, it can be one wife, or if it's a husband wife, then it can only be the wife. So she had to be able to articulate it. So she did a spreadsheet to be able to talk about it. And she hadn't realized until she added it all up that they owed one point, I think it was 1.2 million, which overwhelming to know with like two very young children. So that was one of my favorite episodes. I won't tell you what happened. That was yeah. like one of my favorites. Cause I got that spreadsheet the night before and was like, oh dear, like I yeah. don't, this is bad. Like this is really bad. And her husband was in the process of quitting his job. So I like had anxiety looking at the spreadsheet. And then the best case scenario was like a single gal making like 700,000. So we run the gamut. So you hear everything. So yes, you can find that on Apple or Spotify. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was very enlightening. And I think it's a really important topic. So I'm so glad that we got to share you with the audience. So thank you so much again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave me a review and share with your friends. If you're interested in learning more about my course, Heal Your Breakup, where I take you step-by-step through my entire healing process, you can find more info at my website, breakupbestie.com. And if you're new, don't forget to join our private Facebook group so you can connect with other women going through the same thing and seek support. You can search Breakup Bestie Support Group on Facebook to join. Lastly, if you're not already following me on Instagram, I share new tips and support every single day. You can find me at your breakup bestie. Most importantly, hang in there, stay connected with loved ones, be nice to yourself, and remember, it's all going to be okay. I promise. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. 
I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.